0: These two guys of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and shot on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. As far as, as,
1: as this opportunity and the many uh, others that will come this year, I mean, I never take it for granted getting to talk to
0: these guys before we go out, uh, getting to talk to them at halftime about what we're going to try to do to go win a game. Um, these are opportunities that I'll improve every single time, Chris. and and ultimately, when when it's all
1: said and done, I don't take it for granted that I get to lead this o- operation, and to have the uh, players and coaches that I do, it makes me real comfortable. You know, it takes away some of the nerves going into it because you know you got great people around you and great players around you.
0: Yeah, Judd gives that same that same speech to us before as mm-hmm. the as the sports dad, the the leader here. Of I never take it for granted, guys. Group.
2: I never take it not one day. I get to talk to you guys yep. before the show, during the show, after the show. Never take that thread. for granted. Text thread. Yep. Bunch of Judd notes. Pictures. Yeah. Notes off Judd gets
0: Judd gets to ask what the schedule is when it becomes too confusing, the back and forth between Declan and I. I have no so idea Judd sometimes. Wait, Judd will just wait for us to get done, and then he'll say, okay, so what's the schedule? <laughs> I will. Never I take will. that for granted. <laughs>
2: Never take that for granted that I might be wrong about something. So the best way is What's to make
1: sure. Again? Well, it's Wednesday and we do uh, write that down and uh, do
0: all this Hey, stuff I forget and- <laughs> some stuff sometimes. <laughs> I do. Oh, man. So this is, uh, this is Mackie and Judd here. Monday Statements Edition and a buffoon of the week coming your way. If you want a deep, deep dive also into the first preseason game, Purple Daily has you covered on that front here on this Monday. But let's start with some Vikings related statements from the weekend here. And uh, I'll do the honors. I'll hit the first yeah. wayward tee shot. <laughs> I would trade Alexander Madison mm. before the season. And I say this with all due respect to a fantastic backup running back. But here are a few of the reasons why I would, <clears throat> excuse me, look to make this trade. I don't think you're you're not going to get like a second round. You're, you'll get like a day three pick. But he is a free agent in six months. With Dalvin Cook's current contract and with the depth you have on the team, there is zero chance the Vikings re sign Alex Madison once he hits free agency. I think someone's going to give him a shot to be a starting running back. And as you survey the landscape of injuries and other teams that may lack some depth, is there a team that might give you a fifth round pick in a pinch for Alex Madison? You know, I, I think with the guys that you have behind him, so Dalvin Cook is one of the best running backs in the league. He's going to miss a few games, as he always does. But the way that Ty Chandler and Kane Wangwu have looked, both in the training camp practices and in that first preseason game, uh, you are blessed with depth here. And I just... I, I would hate to see the Vikings try and sneak a Ty Chandler onto the practice squad and, and whiff on it, and some other team picks him up, and now you're without Ty Chandler and Alex Madison in free agency after the season. So, like, I... I I want Chandler and Wang Wu on this team going forward. Do I want to keep four running backs and CJ Ham as a fifth, or would I rather only have three running backs, CJ Ham, and then maybe an extra wide receiver? The numbers get weird on this route. I think you could unclog some things by exploring trade options for Alex Madison. And I've been saying that for like a month. Yep. Yesterday only went to further solidify uh, where I stand with this.
2: I've gone back and forth on on this a bit because Cook is going to get hurt. Well, like I, I think the question now going into each year with Dalvin Cook is this. How many games is he going to miss? Is, is he going to miss six? Is he going to miss four? Yeah. Is it going to be two? And Madison is very good at what he does. But here is here is where I would agree with at least exploring a potential trade. And that is, I'm not going to trade him for a draft pick cuz like you're right you probably get a fourth or a fifth or something but if there is a purpose to trade him and and I guess what I'm getting at is if Garrett Bradbury struggles and in practice he's not been great so far and you can involve Madison in a trade for a center I'm much more on, on board then so I'm not going to tra- I'm not going to trade him for the sake of trying to get like a fifth round pick but if he could be a key component to a trade to get me help at a position at which I might clearly need help for my quarterback and my offense, I'm at least giving that some strong consideration.
1: Would huh? you would you trade him for a
0: established backup quarterback? Um you'd have to kick in something else probably. Yeah,
2: and I think so Dex, I think I could probably get a, I think I could probably get a backup quarterback who I could plug in for like a late round draft pick. Um, I'd consider it, but look, because Cook is going to get hurt, I'm not anxious to trade Madison, but it makes some sense. And the thing, too, is as far as roster construction goes, I'm very eager to see offensively what, what this team does as far as keeping players at each position. Because I do think that that's going to change a bit. And I do think that there's going to be some decisions made with young offensive players who, to Phil's point, this coaching staff doesn't feel that they can get onto the practice squad and doesn't want to lose said player. So some people are going to dismiss this completely. They're going to say, you know what this is? The Buzz Factory, boys. The Buzz Factory. Buzz Factory. Oh, Buzz Factory. Buzz Factory. We're making up stuff, but often we make up stuff and then it comes true. So I do think it's worthy of a discussion, and I'm willing to bet internally they will at least have some talks about roster construction here and about potential um, potential trade chips like this.
0: Hey, have you ever uh, ever asked Chip Scoggins about Ty Chandler? Because he spent he spent four years with Chip's Tennessee Volunteers, and not, then he spent it. it because Chip Chip watches all those Tennessee oh, games. He's a big great, Vols. crazy, big Go Vols guy. Yeah. And then he went to North Carolina, went to the ACC as okay. a, a a second time around senior, and uh, and that's where he really exploded. He was just kind of part of a rotation in Tennessee, but over a thousand yards, six yards a carry, thirteen touchdowns in his in his fifth year in college. So I, there there are some plays in preseason where you got to take them with a grain of salt. Hey, it's a bunch of dudes running around against backups and vanilla defenses, but then there are some where you can say, oh, Brian Asamoah knifing through the defense as a 225-pound sort of hybrid safety linebacker. Uh I don't care what that play was. I don't care who the players on the field were. That guy was knifing through traffic and fast and making a great tackle. You can learn something from that. And the other one that stood out to me was when Ty Chandler gets the ball on one of his numerous gashing runs last night and he makes two jump cuts and boom hits the hole like Football. I don't care who is on defense I don't care what Football. the play call was Football. I don't care that it's preseason that guy is it that guy knows what he's doing at running back I'm not saying he's going to be Dalvin Cook but I am saying that he's on my team and Alex Madison uh doesn't need to be blocking you know I guess the the roster pecking order for guys like him so mm-hmm. so we'll see a ton of depth at that position And maybe maybe you're right. Maybe it's not for a fifth round pick. Maybe there's another position you can you can you can find some team to do a a player for player swap, whatever it is. I'm open for business the next three weeks.
1: Declan, go ahead. All right. My first statement uh, off the preseason game, I will go with this one. I, I will say it's a solid first step. Solid first step in the Kevin O'Connell area. Uh, I thought the skill position groups that we just talked about, the the running backs were obviously phenomenal. Yeah, there might be a conversation where Alexander Madison maybe is expendable, but regardless, they have hashtag depth at running back. Man, they got depth at wide receiver. I, uh, for God's sakes, Amir Smith-Marset is going to be the fourth wide receiver on this option. Ola B.C. Johnson was still targeted a ton. Um, they, they had a, Jalen Naylor made a couple of nice plays. They have, they have a lot of depth at their skill position players. Um, I also thought you saw your rookies, from this draft class makes some immediate impact Ed Ingram might end up winning the dang starting job out of training camp and through these preseason games. You know, Lewis seems kind of on the odd man out from being a starter per se, but he's still going to find ways to get out on the field. And I thought he looked like one of the better players too on the field yesterday. Andrew Booth is going to be learning a little bit. Andrew Booth, who kind of had got, I think he got flagged for the illegal contact, which I have a statement on later on, but I, I thought in general, the Vikings took a really solid first step with their first preseason game under Kevin O'Connell. And Callan is cleared one bar. He cleared one bar. He was not a train wreck. He might just be QB3. He might be QB2. But he cleared some type of bar that says, okay, I can see why that guy was a four-year starter at Texas A&M and why he was a day-two pick. So I think it was a solid first step in the Kevin O'Connell era of Vikings football. Agree completely. Yeah, yeah and I, I was amazed. I shouldn't be. But when Twitter lit
2: up, oh, this te- this looks awful. These teams look This is the whole point, right? Like, these games are... This is not a, how did the Vikings look as a team? We're not there yet, okay? We are to, how do individuals look? And I'm with Dex. I I thought that this was was extremely instructive, good and bad. But at least it helped you see things in a game. So, yeah, I have... I just, I think it's so funny when we get hung up on, on the actual, like, game itself. Oh, my God, how could they not... Do this? How could they not do that? Oh, okay, who cares? It's a preseason yeah. game. The whole point is to learn from it.
0: I will say it's a little problematic. They haven't won a preseason game since 2019. Okay, yeah, they've only played five. But uh, let's put a stop to the losing. I don't want a culture oh, man, of man, losing here, Okay, let's let's, let's go stop? win a preseason game. <laughs> Someone showed the uh, the the side by side the the newspaper headlines of what was it was it 2008? What was the year the Lions went 0 16? And the and the preseason headlines... <laughs> yes was, you know, perfection, 4-0 in the preseason, yes. big headline. And then at the end of the season, it was embarrassment. I, I think it was Owen 16. Uh,
1: Dan Lebitard that said that he, the most wrong he has ever been was because of that Lions team. He thought that Lions team was actually going to do something, and they ended up being 0-16. <laughs>
2: Why do you ever have faith in that team? I have no idea. There's never been a reason. Again, this year, I see, like, all of these fans are like, oh, the Detroit Lions are going to be for. You know what? Prove it to me. <laughs>
0: they're singing karaoke together. I I mean, they look cohesive as a team. Danny Campbell,
2: man. Going to melt down in games.
0: All right. All right, over to Judd.
2: Okay. Uh, My statement is off a coaching decision a couple of times, especially one time in this game. And it's more of a a hope that this is not going to be a regular occurrence. And my statement to Kevin O'Connell is this. Very simple. Go for it. So the Vikings, um, I believe... When they scored their first uh, points on a Joseph field goal, they were like at the three, right? They they were essentially at the goal line. It was fourth down. And O'Connell said post game when asked about that very thing, "I wanted to get the points." And you know what? Preseason again, that's fine. I hope the rule of thumb when you have Jefferson, Thielen, go down that entire list, Cousins, Cook playing. I hope the rule of thumb is going to be in 2022, we're going to go for it. So I'm just throwing it out there that that I don't care. It was an exhibition game. Your best players not playing. Um, But I would think that Kevin O'Connell, uh, being a new school coach, is very much, if that situation presents itself on September the 11th against the Packers, going to say, hey, eight, stay out there.
0: You know, I, I've I've learned a lesson about perceived new school coaches. Though I, I wouldn't just automatically say, "Hey, he's a young guy. He's a new school coach. He's under the age of forty. Therefore, he's going to be analytically minded when it comes to going for it." Yeah. PJ Fleck is is one of the most conservative yes new school <laughs> coaches you'll ever see. Right in front of our eyes, every single Saturday coaching this it. Gophers team. No, and he constantly. <laughs> He'll he'll punt on fourth and one. He will he will not think about timeout management. So I'm just saying, like, oh. just because a coach is young doesn't mean that he's going to be aggressive on fourth down or going forward on fourth and whatever from inside the five or the ten yard line. So we'll have to. Well, I'm just. Saying. I think in the preseason he it's possible he just want. Like Greg Joseph. I just want to make sure yep. Greg Joseph gets out there a couple times and get get some some uh, some feel good kicks. Um, but we won't really know until week one or week two. Yes, sir. That's okay. my statement. Go for it. All me. right, my next statement here. <clears throat> I only I only go when I hear the Batman uh, sound effect. Uh, my statement is Kellen Mond received more positive reinforcement in one preseason game than he probably received in nine months with Mike Zimmer, who trashed him at a post-game press conference for three snaps Against the Packers, and he was terrible. Don't get me wrong, but uh, after the after one of the touchdown passes, he jogs back to the sidelines, and Kevin O'Connell, K.O.C., is waiting there with a pat on the helmet. That's all. That's all these guys want sometimes. Okay, the Gen Z, millennials, positive reinforcement. Some positive vibes. We just want to know that you care about us, that you're invested in our future, okay? (laughs) And so just, I'm I'm not, I don't don't need, you know, a big bear hug or anything. Just a pat on the helmet telling me that I'm doing a nice job. And you know what? It can go a long way. And Kellen Mond probably feels a lot better about himself after last night and the positive performance and reinforcement than he has at any point since he's been drafted. So... Thanks, KOC, for the positive just the reinforcement. Pat, just a pat? Just a little, maybe a little pat on the butt. Just any any sort of, hey, I see uh, you. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, my next statement is this illegal contact hoopla oh is going to ruin some games. Oh, yeah. It's going to ruin some games. In fact, can I just write, I don't want to wait for Wednesday. Can I write it down right now? If, if you don't mind, can I write this down? I think right the rule now?
0: is if you're gonna if you're gonna write something down outside the window of Wednesday, it has, Wednesday, to, be it has to be a home run or a touchdown. Okay, yeah.
1: so I'll, I guess I'll count it for this show since Ron Mackey and Judd. Uh You guys tell me if this is enough for a home run. Okay. The Vikings will be flagged for illegal contact in the final two minutes of a game, and it will result in a loss.
2: Oh yeah, that's a touchdown. Home run. In, in what? Case.
1: In what? In week one? In the regular season. In the regular season. Do you want me to shorten you you, you claim it's gonna be not a thing after like week nine? No,
0: no, 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 no. I'm just I'm just thinking. Yeah. I'm just thinking. So I think I think, I think the that. Vikings the because they own there was only like thirty six of these penalties called across the league all year, so and the Vikings only had like two. So you're saying that they will have they'll they'll have one for mm-hmm. sure, but it'll but specifically it'll happen in the final two minutes and it will Res- subjectively cost them result a, a lot which we'll have to So we might need a little more clarity on, so it'll happen in a game that they lose or it'll happen and it will be a reason why they lose. Yes. I think the latter will be a reason why they lose. It'll cost them the game.
1: The points will be scored off of that call.
0: Yeah. Okay. And we will, we will subjectively debate that if needed, but that's definitely a home run if that happens. Yeah.
1: And I, every year they do this every year. They do this. They find a new rule to initiate. I, I kind of understand it. Hockey does the same thing every year. They did it with face-offs. They did it with Mm cross-checking over the last few years. It becomes super annoying and, and, Judd's probably right that maybe by week 10, 11, um, they'll, they'll kind of yeah. weed this out a little bit. Right, and maybe if, if they're calling it so much in the preseason, which I believe the Vikings were flagged at least twice, if not three times for it yesterday in the preseason, that DBs will adjust. I just I just don't know what else a defensive back can do in today's NFL. It, it's it's just such an NFL, and I hate to be like old man, like my defensive backs used to grab them right by the horns and pull them down. Like, I just don't know what they can do at this point. If, if illegal contact is going to be just initiated in the first five yards, and then afterwards it just becomes super annoying and convoluted. So my statement is illegal contact is going to ruin some football games.
0: Yeah, that's another thing. I brought this up on Purple Daily, but... I don't know that fans were pining for more penalties. I also don't know that fans were pining for it to be harder on defenses to guard wide receivers in today's NFL, but here we are.
2: That's what they want here and, we are. and they've actually changed it now. Um it's not called as of uh, 2022 point of emphasis. It's now called point of clarification. clarification. Seifert told me this. He's like they yeah. have now changed it because there was cuz fans got sick of point of emphasis. That's a so the league said, oh, okay, we will change it to clarification, <laughs> so you will buy in now. Well, what are we clarifying? I don't know. It's just hilariously funny.
0: We're clarifying the rule. that
2: we're going to throw the flags a lot
0: instead but they're, of emphasizing. But, but if they were changing the rule, it would be a clarification, right? But if they're just looking to enforce the rule more often, it would be emphasis know. on the rule that already exists. Don't
2: argue with the National Football League. <laughs> Roger Goodell's got this, all right?
0: Oh, my God. All right, back to Judd.
2: Okay, my statement, a lesson learned. Um, th- this guy has been good in camp, and as recently as last week, got some first-team reps, but he had a tough day, and it is the beginning of a lesson learned. Andrew Booth, Jr., who on on one play was called for a PI and a face mask. Uh, he was called for, I think, probably at least three penalties. And look... This is exactly what happens when when you come from college to the pros at cornerback. Because in the college, the point of clarification is not nearly as clarified. So you can sort of grab guys late, hit them late. You're also going up against um, a receiver core that is often good but far from great. And so this was yesterday when it comes to Booth, who I guarantee you now won't start. Uh, But this was the beginning of the lessons learned. And I think, outside of quarterback, I think cornerback qualifies as one of the toughest places to learn in the pros because the jump is so huge. And the athletic ability of the receivers, combined with the penalties called, changes drastically. So this was a lesson learned for Andrew Booth Jr.
0: He's a little... I'd rather have my cornerback be... Xavier Rhodes-like and just be a little handsy and aggressive, because, A, they're not going to call it every time, even with the point of clarification on illegal contact. I think it's easier to smooth some of that stuff out than a guy that's just clueless and reactionary and stuff. No. So, I guess we'll see it, we'll see it play out. But. There goes the ball! Oh!
1: Swaggy waving arms to the man. <laughs> whoa! whoa. Diet, I
0: think. Oh. Uh, all right, my, um, my next statement is... The Ed Ingram era is upon us. Oh, wow. I agree The savior of the right guard position has arrived. It has been six, seven long years. I don't even know how many right guards they've floated through here. But Ed Ingram, I'm ready to say it, after a couple weeks of practice and one preseason game, he's the real deal. He knows what he's doing. He's a massive human being. Second-round pick and I don't know if they make the official change this week against San Francisco in the in the joint practices, but he will eventually be taking the lion's share of reps and then all of the reps at right guard with the first team. This this is happening in the next few weeks. I
2: think you're right, and, and this is one, one too, where what you're saying is not based off of one game. The practices do. Like, he has slowly but surely uh, been showing e- enough to climb the depth chart, and I think you're right. And I'm trying to think back. Who was the last right guard who had any consistency here? Herrera?
0: Oh, man. Like, I'm man. trying
2: to think back to the right guards.
0: Mm. Dex, can you think of him Well... East was a uh, who was in 27th uh, that got Nick, her red. Nick Nikki's, Easton, Easton. <laughs> Brandon Fusco didn't he play right guard solid. at a decent level for yeah, a couple for, for how solid. long
2: like I'm trying to think of the last time th- that we basically had in this town a right guard for oh the Vikings who you said you know what from year to year that guy is
0: going to be solid well even Anthony Herrera wasn't wasn't it like 3 years and then I
2: guess 3 3 years is good as far as I'm concerned but, yeah, yeah, well, I'd have to look back. When's the last time that this team had a right guard who you could sort of put in pen and say that guy's fine.
0: We should do it. we should do at some point I'll look on, you know what? actually, this might be a fun packing order for the Tuesday episode okay I will uh, we we can do an ode to Viking's right guards now that Ed Ingram has arrived to save the position. I will do this deep dive, okay, and cool. i will I will rank I will rank obscure Vikings right guards for purple daily or for uh for pecking order on Tuesday. Right. Okay. That's perfect, actually. Um, real quick, before we continue on here on this, I also have a Buffoon of the Week football-related for you guys. Let's shout out the official dog food of Mackie & Judd. It's called Nutrisource, and you'll see on the screen here a couple very happy dogs here. Look at this. This is, uh, okay, this is oh. Stella on the left, and then who is Stella's excited friend on the right? Ryder.
2: Ryder, okay. and listen, I'm going to tell you right now, He's, he is Dawn's best friend's dog, but he does not want to leave the Zolgad house because of the treats, because of the food. He is a <laughs> convert, too. We are converting dogs on a daily basis on this show to a healthy and happy lifestyle, Phil Mackie.
0: Yes, uh, third-generation family-owned and operated out of Perham, Minnesota. NutriSource Dog Food is all about digestion and gut health with their good-for-life system. Get the nutrients your dog needs those Tootsie Roll poops mm-hmm. that we all uh, are, are striving for. <laughs> NutrisourcePetFoods.com to find a retailer near you. NutrisourcePetFoods.com, the official dog food of Mackie and Judd and Stella and Maya. Also a shout out to our friends at Equity Partners who are here to help make the house selling process 100% hassle free. And with their WeHab program, what they want to do is increase the value of your home or maximize the value of your home through simple fixes or total remodels. And then as you go through this process, you can put offers in on your next home, non-contingent on the sale of yours, which, again, is massive to not have to time that up. Learn more at equitypartnersmn.com, equitypartnersmn.com, 612-999-2244. All right, any final Viking statements from you guys here on this Monday?
1: Uh, no, I, I just, I like that they rest the starters. There was no need, I guess, to put out, you know, the, the, I know Kirk had COVID, but they didn't, there was no need to put out the Jefferson, the Thielen's. I I did applaud, though, that they put the starting offensive line out there. I thought that was important to get both the defensive and the offensive line at least, I think, five to 10 snaps, you know, through the first two series to get some type of continuity. I mean, last year, for God's sakes, didn't the Vikings start off with two back to back false starts on, on Oli Udo? So just some type of continuity in the offensive line was good. And yes, Ed Ingram, who already shouted out, um, it had already has the leg up to potentially be a starter. I like that they rested the uh the, the key position, guys. Good move.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right. There you go. If you want the full Kellen Mond deep dive, we did uh, we kinda of, we argued. It's like 20, 25 yep. minutes on Spard. Purple Daily on this Monday. Yeah, put the put the boxing headgear on. Sometimes people think you guys just you guys just agree on everything. Well we yeah, agree yeah. on Kirk Cousins largely and that takes up a lot of our conversation. But uh yeah, you can you can pick which side you're on on this Kellen Mond debate over on Purple Daily. Okay, it's time now for the uh, Buffoon of the Week here on Mackey and Judd. <laughs> and the Buffoon of the Week is none other than the Washington Commanders president, oh. Jason Wright. That's good one. Mm-hmm. So sometime recently, Scott Abraham from 7 News D.C. sat down with Commanders quarterback Carson Wentz at training camp. For just one of those kind of classic, you know, you got the TV chairs and they got the little <laughs> polo shirts on. We're going to do a little, little interview for the 10 o'clock news and put a couple minutes up. And so, uh, Scott Abraham, I don't know anything about him, but this dude does not pull punches when asking questions apparently. So after listing again, he's sitting right next to Carson Wentz, they're on camera doing this thing. And after listing off some of the reasons why people criticize Wentz and he says, Hey, you know, the, 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 the the pervasive narrative about you is this and this and this and he's and he's just listing off all the things then he says philly didn't want you indy didn't want you essentially why will this be any different which i think are all pretty fair questions i think it might be a little jarring and that you don't usually get that pointed it was pretty harsh yeah it was yeah you know i mean these are all things that people wonder but usually quite frankly a lot of these reporters that have to be there every day don't have the The cojones to phrase a question like that because they need to keep relationships alive, right? Mm -hmm. So anyhow, uh, Jason Wright, the president of the Commanders, decided I'm going to go on Twitter and let people know what I think of this because you know there's nothing else that I need to worry about with this franchise at all at the current moment. I'm going to go and make a big deal out of a line of questioning from a reporter, and he says – I recognize you've made a living on childlike provocation, but it needs to be called out. Don't expect special access and good luck building rapport with the players. He continues, it's not that the guys can't take criticism. Just be a journalist and follow standard practices. Others have found a way to do both. I think if you're the president of a dumpster fire organization like the Washington Commanders, maybe spend less time trying to demean reporters for asking honest yet aggressive questions about your underperforming starting quarterback and more time trying to fix the dumpster fire organization. That's just me. So uh, I'm going to name Jason Wright the buffoon of the week here on Mackie and Judd. I saw that uh, Mike Florio from pro football talk chimed in basically saying this is the problem with team run media is that these guys get asked softball questions and these puff stories all the time, and video pieces that, when someone actually comes in with pointed, critical questions, yes, it's it's jarring to the players. It's even jarring to some fans. Like, well, wait a second, that's not right the way that I usually see these media interactions going. So I don't know. What did you guys think when you saw this come across?
2: The commanders shouldn't say a thing about anything. That's the problem. <laughs>
0: like, if it's yeah.
2: a well-respected now, one if it's a smart franchise, they might call the guy up and talk about it because the questions were phrased harshly. Okay. So like, if you don't like that, that's fine. Like you have every right to call the guy up and, and be, be like, yeah, you know, did and that's fine. I'm not a huge fan of that, but that's the professional way. What's unprofessional and very c- commanders like, and everything Daniel Snyder runs is just buffoon territory is mm-hmm. to have this guy whose franchise has had just Massive problems outside of football too, like like the football dumpster fire part is a small part of a story about of te- about a team that arguably should be stripped from the guy who owns said team, a la what uh, you know what took place a few years back with Donald Sterling and the Clippers. So yeah, to me, for them to be coming out and criticizing anybody about anything, hypocritical, stupid, and again shows they have no idea what they're doing.
1: And, and look, the, I think the team run or like media stuff like that—that that can exist. That all that 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 stuff can always exist. But I think the the issue is, is then everyone then also as part of the TV crew or part of not wanting to ruffle any feathers, it just kind of trickles down to them, and then they kind of feel like, oh, I want the respect and I want the access and all that stuff. I think all these people who come in and ask, you know, hard hitting questions like this guy did to Carson Wentz, right. then should still be allowed to do that. Um, and and for. The Washington Commanders guy yeah, to basically president come out and say that, which is the Commanders are kind of a joke as it is kind of a buffoonery, dude. So, yes, it very much is a nail in the coffin of, of a buffoon of the week for that.
0: Well, and team teams want media to be supportive. You hear that all the time, right? That like a new coach will get hired or a general manager and they will and they will make a plea to the community and the fans and the media to be supportive of what they're trying to do. Right and that's not the role of third party media. It is the role of your own media. If you're vikings.com or commanders.com, it's it's technically just an extension of your brand. And so yeah, you're not you're you're, you're not going to get hard hitting questions from commanders.com guy or gal. But it's just, you know, I I don't oh, know God. how we've landed on this this expectation that third party media, which really should, I'm not saying that sports media is anything uh groundbreaking in terms of you know affecting the world but right third-party media is there to ideally in some part hold entities accountable when needed and if there's any franchise that needs to be held accountable in the nfl it would probably be the washington commanders over the past couple of years (laughs) right right?
2: well and (laughs) and carson wentz has sucked like carson wentz has been a huge bust um i i think where the conversation goes to me that that's intriguing though is this So I, I actually, before the Vikings game, sat down and watched a good portion of the Fox 9 pregame show produced by them. And so Quazy was on and they had and they reran something that I think appeared on Vikings.com with the Vikings.com guy where he drives Quazy around in a golf cart and talks about Quazy, which is which is fine. And for their site, it's very, very smart. But they re-ran that as as like the quasi presence. New GM, first game, I would like, and I'm not saying that uh, Jim Rich is going to sit down and interrogate Quasi, but I would like somebody from outside the organization to sit down and talk to him about football. Like, I don't think that that's that much as a fan in this case to ask. Like, let's talk about how's training camp? What looks good? What have you learned? Like, it doesn't have to be the Inquisition, but I think it does. But I would like personally something that gives me a feel for the team. There there are times where it's fine to do crazy, you know, your personal life, blah, blah, blah. Those are great. But it's football time right now, you guys. It's football time. And I want to sink my teeth into a a feast of football conversation. So that's why I I mean
0: frustrated. But there's also the balance of what does – I mean, now we're going down a path here, but – Maybe the maybe the audience responds better to more of the hey behind the scenes in a golf cart with Quasey. and I'm sure Fox Nine's trying to balance that. But to your general point, yeah. I mean Qu- Quasey was asked some football questions by the USA Today.
2: It doesn't talk since those sense.
0: quotes were quote unquote taken out of context, which they weren't. He said he said what he said. Right. I think he was just mad about the blowback, and then he's kind of shut it down over the last month. Correct. Because he he doesn't want to he doesn't doesn't want to piss off the Rams anymore. So or Kirk, Cousins. anyhow, or Kirk, yes, <laughs> go on the apology tour. So there is your uh, your buffoon of the week here like on Mackey and Judd. All right. Back to statements here on this Monday. Let's uh, let's transition to the baseball team that is now, according to Fangraphs, oh, Declan God. just found this. Yeah, they are now the third favorite favorite in air quotes to win the American League Central. Mm. But their chances to win the division are only 24%. The Guardians are around 50%, 49%. And the White Sox are around uh, whatever the remaining is, like 26 or 27%. Yep. So I'd love to kick you guys off with statement number one here, which is a big reason why they are no longer in first place. Emilio Pagan is absolutely terrible at his job. That's my first statement. Get this. Dating back to July of 2021, Emilio Pagan has allowed 21 homers in 68 innings. Oh, yeah. To to put that into context, Burt Blylevin set the major league record giving up 50 home runs in 1986 as a starting pitcher. 50 home runs allowed in 1986. It took him 270 innings to give up 50 home runs. If you took... Pagan's home run rate over the last year in change and gave him 270 innings he wouldn't just give up 50 home runs he would give up 83 that's the rate at which yeah. he is giving up home runs over the last 12 or 13 months yep
2: so why is he still here what on earth what on like we were talking about this how long ago you guys how many months ago did we start first start to broach the fact that that the temptation to use him has to be removed, right? I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And I do recall, I do recall when we first brought this up, being accused of being the infamous Buzz Factory.
1: Buzz Factory.
2: Oh, Buzz, Buzz Factory. factory. Buzz. I remember, you know, oh, typical scorner Earth. No, no. I mean, some things you can see coming. What about Emilio Pagan? What about him? Tempts the twins and Rocco, I guess in particular, to use him. Like why is there a well, homing he th- device mean, he, of source?
0: There are some some analytics that tell you, I mean, his velocity, some of his pitch movement, okay. and some of his, his if if you look at maybe four years ago in Tampa, the yeah. tantalizing upside, yeah. I get I get why they've been trying to make this a thing. Yep. But at some point, my God, there's a month and a half of the season left. Correct. This isn't a new development where he's just struggling for a couple of weeks. Correct. He has given up 21 home runs since last July as a reliever. As a reliever, it's impossible, and he continues to pitch (laughs) in these largely close games. Now they they did have him out there in the sixth inning for about five or six straight appearances, but you know on Saturday he's coming in, and to some extent he just. You're not. He's not your first option in a close game anymore because you did add at the deadline, and that's great. Um, but I, I, I retweeted on Baseball Savant. You can just kind of look and find the you know each batter, like the pitch sequences and stuff. And man, that home run he gave was it Ward that hit the home run. In the the tenth inning, it was, and it is a piece of art, man. It is the K zone, <laughs> and it is a red dot right smack dab in the middle. Hit me <laughs> out, <Seriously>. hit me, <laughs> ridiculous, dude. Yeah, so uh now he did he did get right yesterday, right? He had a couple strikeouts and a clean oh, inning, yeah. so he's back but again. But I mean, that's the temptation. Bad,
1: that's why it needs to be removed because now they're like, well, look at that, look at that stuff, look at what we just saw. Yeah. You've seen enough. In uh, high leverage situations, opponents are slugging 522 against Emilio Pagan this season per baseball reference. 522 with a 900 OPS against in high leverage situations.
0: That's aggressive. That is aggressive. Just to answer Judd's question with one more piece of data here, he has a really good swinging strike rate. Good. Ayo. So he he does miss bats. But it's it's not enough when you when you're walking guys and he's kind of cut down on those. But I don't know if he's he, like he was walking everybody in the first half of the year and it's like he's traded walks for more strikeouts or for more uh, home runs or something. So anyhow, it ain't working. And uh, if they keep doing this, then they get what they deserve. So they already
1: have. You want me to go, Jed? No,
2: no, I'll you, you I'll, go. I'll I'll go next. Um. At this point in time, this might be a lost cause, okay. But as the person who I believe approximately three months ago volunteered my services as the common sense coach for Baldelli and the boys, because like they, they get they get hung up on their thing and they often Pagan can pitch. Actually, Brocco, he can't. Um, here's another one that teams that are going to be in the playoffs potentially need to weigh from a common sense coach. Beware of pinch hitting patterns based on substitutions defensively that will result thereof, okay? Wow. Which means this. When Gilberto Celestino starts in in left and in my opinion is a solid defensive player. He's not a great player but he's solid, okay? When he starts in left and now and now we start, you know, the Angels start to bring in different guys, you know, a righty, a lefty and now and now it's time for J Cave to pinch hit because oh, it's a matchup thing. Okay, now you've got from Celestino, who I actually like in left, to Cave, Dive, and Jake, who I don't love, but I don't think is a complete disaster. And now we switched again; it's Beckham time. Okay, he pinch hits, and because he pinch hits, we end up late in a game with Nick, with Dive and Nick, Nick Gordon in left. Now, Nick Gordon has to start in the outfield at times, and I understand that. I don't love him out there, but I get when he has to start, okay? But when you don't pay attention to what what the results of the defensive substitutional patterns are going to be because of matchups, that's how you end up with Nick Gordon diving for a ball on Saturday night to try to make a play that I can tell you again, Rocco, as your common sense coach, I have seen Nick Gordon dive for enough balls that I never want him diving ever again. And now you've gone to what I would argue in what is almost becoming like playoff games. You have gone to your weakest potential outfielder in left because of what you did situationally, which at the time seemed to make sense. Um, I'll give you a second one. And again, that might not matter. Okay. But you don't, you do not have a late game substitute defensively at first base right now. And Miranda's been marvelous at the plate. Kudos. um, I don't think he he is probably a realistic Rookie of the Year candidate, but I also think he's been great. Third base, I think he's okay. Not a dumpster fire. At first base, late in a game, that means something. Do I want Jose Miranda playing first base? About as much as Bill Buckner. My point (laughs) is the common sense coach has to come to Rocco and say, Put the binder away for one second. We need to have a talk. (laughs) And the twins don't have the common sense to say, what is this going to mean? And this is where TK was great. Happy, I, I believe it's his 72nd birthday, Tom Kelly. But what did Kelly think about? The ramifications of every move come the eighth. If he made it in the fifth. So my statement is this. You need a common sense coach, though.
0: Let's go back to that Nick Gordon play for a sec, because I, I get what he's trying to do. Hey, hey, we're up. There's two outs, right? And yes, we're up by two. Yes, it's a no doubles defense. So he's playing. He's playing pretty deep in that situation, and he's thinking, "If I catch this, I end the game. I am the hero. We win. This is great." So I get. I get what's going through his mind in that situation, but you have coming up after. Uh, Sierra was the one that, that hit that ball into the into the corner. Coming up next, now Otani was coming up two hitters later, but there's two outs. And David Fletcher was the leadoff hitter that night. And David Fletcher has a 290 on base percentage. He is, he is not a great hitter. It's a situational thing for me when you look at, okay, it's no doubles defense. We're up 3-1. There's runners on first and second base here. Ideally, I catch this and end the game. But if i just play it in front of me, scoop the ball up, i'm guessing the runner on second scores cuz he's 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 moving there's two outs, but the runner on first stops at third in that situation. So now you got and 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 maybe the runner maybe the batter stops at first, but at the at the very worst, if you just field that ball, there's runners on second and third. Lopez is sitting there and and he's, you know, he's on the ropes a little bit but but he is facing a hitter with a 290 on base percentage and he can end the game still so i don't know it's just like i think nick gordon kind of freaked out a little bit and just thought i can be the hero here i can end this game and it's like no dude you don't need to be the hero in this spot it's not a do or die situation like the buxton dive that was do or die you you have to catch you have to catch that that play right oh my god yeah he's unreal he really is, um, but Nick Gordon, like there, there is another option in that situation, and he just, uh, he just ignored it. So, yep. anyhow. All right, my next statement.
1: Phil uh, kind of talked about it on the top here, but my statement is the math is working against you now if you're the Minnesota Twins. So yeah, per fan graphs, the Twins have just a 24 percent chance to win the Central. The White Sox a little bit better at 27. And the Guardians now with a leg up 47% chance. So a big gap between the Guardians and the Twins and White Sox. Now the Twins do get some slappies here. I believe 13 of 16 at home. All of them, I believe, below 500. Slappies. So hopefully there's some hay that can be made up here. But all that fun that you had being in first place for, you know, 85 out of 87 days or whatever it was, If you do not make the playoffs here, if you do not win this horrible AL Central Division, it is going to be a catastrophic disappointment. For all the moves you made at the deadline. For the signing of Carlos Correa. For being in first place and teasing this fan base that is wanting to see this team be competitive. But still also having one foot out. Their attendance is still down. I'm one of the weirdos who bought season tickets at 29 years old. Who wants to go to that ballpark and see the team succeed. Mm -hmm. If you do not win this division, it is going to have catastrophic events. I don't know if heads roll. I don't know if someone loses their job from a Rocco or Falvey standpoint. I don't think so pending a absolute free fall but the ramifications if you do not make the playoffs from the team to its fan base i think are going to be very very significant phil are we we there did phil we lost phil 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 is pondering i I was gonna let phil
2: jump in there and then i'm like what happened to phil yes i I uh speechless that's all i think nobody gets fired i think Mm -hmm. you're right about that sorry I was going to say, Phil, go ahead, I got ec- Phil. Phil, go ex-
0: I got excited and accidentally disconnected my microphone cord. Oh, nice.
2: <laughs> I was going to say, because I was waiting for you to talk. It's yeah. like,
0: oh. Um, like, where'd everybody, where'd everybody go? Oh, my! I unplugged my cord. But, Dex, you
2: are right. This Fair. is a massive bust, then. Like, this division, which, by the way, you've led for how long? Or did lead. Um, and was there for the taking. If you don't win this, in a year where... where the favorite, the White Sox, have for the most part been a complete bust. I? You are exactly right. This Tony, is a don't this don't is don't a don't major mess. Be- 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 and Tony will be gone don't. after the season. He should have been fired. They would have run away with it if they had fired him, but they didn't. So what the hell?
1: Walk him. One,
2: two, to Muncie. Ah, don't. Don't. walk him.
0: <laughs> like, like here's the thing. I I don't. I'm generally don't like to get up here and fire this, fire that because I think that can be reactionary sometimes, but. I think my big picture question would be, if I were an owner who was curious and cared, (laughs) which I don't know that the Twins have, I would say, listen, guys, all right, it's been six years, very little pitching development over six years, missed the playoffs in a weak division in 2022 after signing, listen, I greenlit $35 million, I listen, I... I woke up from my nap as an owner and said yes to you guys signing Carlos Correa to be the highest-paid shortstop this year in baseball, and you made a bunch of other moves and trades. I know there's been some injuries, but every team has injuries, and you can't win 88 games and right. win a division? Like that, that would be my question. Right? Is What are we, what are we doing here? You know, what, what is your plan for the next three years? Yes. And I don't want to hear rebuild because we already did that. We, we did a, we, we've done two rebuilds since we built Target Field. And, again, I don't know if Jim Pollad gives a rip because you can never tell. Like, he's just the, the most – he's comatose as an owner. He just doesn't – there's nothing dynamic about him. He's he's always, like, three years late on, oh, we should do this. Look at these other organizations doing this over here. So, who's – you know, if if – I'm not saying you have to fire everyone if you miss the playoffs, but, like, you, you can't just run it all back again. Watch Carlos Correa walk right. in free agency yeah. and run it all back yes. again. I, I don't know, man. I don't know.
2: The amount of of inexcusable losses is what stands out to me. Like, Saturday was inexcusable. Like, how do you lose that game? And by the way, the Angels, for the most part, do not care. So you're not playing... When you go to Dodger Stadium and lose games, I'm not surprised. Like, I'm like, oh, I thought they'd be real competitive. Uh, but was it the Cleveland loss the Pagan Blue? And I think it was in June. Like, there is a handful... This year of of defeats where you say, how the hell did you lose that game? And it's not to the Yankees and the Dodgers.
0: All right. On the positive side, my next statement is the people who didn't want the Twins to sign Byron Buxton to an extension last year. Shame on you. (laughs) Okay. so not only does he continue to have a really, really good season, despite his physical condition just sort of deteriorating since the month of April. According to fan graphs he's ranked 20th in wins above replacement this year among position players despite missing a lot more games than everyone else above him on that list and despite barely playing in center field. Right, He's probably only played about half the games in center field, maybe not even that. But here's the other thing. So his, his new contract, the $100 million, it's like $15 million a year base with some incentives. Fangraphs has what they do is they take all the money spent on players and they divide it up among uh wins above replacement. So, here's all the money spent on players, here's all the wins above replacement and they they reallocate the money to those players to find a value. He's been worth $30 million so far this year and there's a month and a half to go. <laughs> and yes, I know his batting average is low and his on-base is kind of hovering around 300, which isn't that great, but The power is there. The the some of the clutch home runs he's had this season. Yeah, the clutch plays in center field that he makes. uh, It was it was absolutely the right move, and he's giving you value. He's giving you more value than you've probably seen in any year in his career. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm thinking that's that was a good move by the front office. If we could praise them on the other side. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of bad stuff, but this is good.
2: That catch was incredible. That bleeping catch um all right because i like to stir things up sometimes because i like to stir a debate because i like to stir things up and stand back and watch the potential fallout my next statement is this joey gallo would look pretty good in right oh field God. for the minnesota twins right now max kepler is a hot mess he's almost unplayable almost unplayable gallo out of the uh, of the spotlight of playing in the Bronx for a team where he clearly did not thrive with the Dodgers now, is starting to hit a little bit more, home runs, power. Like, he he is being with the Dodgers who he should be, right? And that, my friends, Declan Goff, Phil Mackey, that would look pretty good in right field in Minnesota right now.
0: You know, you stepped on one of mine, which was going to be, I deserve an apology <laughs> from all the people Declan that mocked me for my Joey Gallo takes two weeks ago. Didn't he hit a bomb Joey Gallo has a
1: off a position hmm? player? Didn't he hit a bomb off a position player over the weekend? Did Wasn't Max the Kepler one? do that?
0: Didn't he hit two home runs against the Twins? When they were here. Didn't he win a didn't he win a game against the Twins? Was, um, he hit a home run against the Twins. At least one in that series, the two yeah, series. Yeah, last yeah. week he has a nine ninety five OPS since joining the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are eight and one since acquiring him. Meanwhile, the Twins cannot score a run. So you know, if only someone on this show would have told yeah. everyone Joey Gallo getting out of New York is going to be a great by low candidate, but you know, it's fine. Don't listen to him. Don't listen to little old Macadac. <laughs> don't worry about me. I don't think the I'll uh, just be sitting over here with my little baseball stats. Uh, the, the, the
1: right field spot <laughs> and the sixth spot in the order is preventing the twins from blowing games late and Emilio Pagan serving up cookies in the middle of the field. Wait, I, you
0: don't? The, the twins can't score a run. You don't you don't think Joey Gallo's bat over the last week would have been helpful compared to max kepler's over 27 coming off the injured list
1: i don't think it makes much of a difference
0: they're they're in the same spot wow. where they are right now. what 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 is joey
1: what is joey gallo going to do what Hits, bombs and doubles and walks and bases he's playing base. for the best team in baseball at the dodgers he hit a bomb off a position player, so one bomb off the real pitcher since going there. I, Joey Gallo wouldn't do anything for this right now. We'd still be having the same conversation about them blowing leads, them losing the central. This is going to be a catastrophic event if they don't make the playoffs. Joey Gallo's not going to change any of that. Wow. I can do anything. Just doubling down. Doesn't do anything. God, am I glad I said that.
0: Okay, let's play a game here. <laughs> here let's play go. a game. Here we go. Real quick here. Let me find this. <laughs> All right, let's play a game called When's the Last Time Max Kepler Got a Hit, all right? (laughs) He's from Germany. His parents were
2: ballet dancers.
0: Okay, the last time Max Kepler got a hit was July 23rd, everybody. Um, his the last time Max Kepler had let's see here the last time Max Kepler had an extra base hit okay July 13th so we are now one month oh we we missed the one month anniversary of Max Kepler's last extra base hit dang it I should have got him some flowers or some candy or something I don't know or some spetzel you can have your Max Kepler I'll keep yes, following joy gallows bombs from the west coast it's obvious that an over
1: 27 streak wherever the hell kepler is on is not acceptable that is clear that's awful and i understand if the twins eventually do move on from kepler this offseason because he's just so such an up and down streaky player but i i don't joey gallo is not going to change the fact of what has happened in la it doesn't change anything does, what do you it, mean the
0: fact? When we're not talking about L.A. We're talking about the Twins. The the don't twins care about LA. Their LA.
1: Twins trip to L.A. against the Dodgers and Angels and where they basically were a disaster in the late innings. Joey Gallo does not save you and buy you a win there. I don't think he does. Gives you some power, though. in right Dude, field. He, yeah, I mean, they, they can't Kepler's score runs, runs right home. now. Yeah.
2: Over for 14 with runners in scoring position Saturday night. 14 guys left. That is why yeah, you, that's you lost that game. Like you yeah, didn't,
0: didn't need anyone to drive in any of those 14 right. runs. Three-run
2: homer so from Joey Gallo right. so Joey Gallo
1: helped. could have helped out with the 0 for 15 and 16 streaking. I do recall
2: Phil saying, decision. buy low on Joey Gallo. Being laughed at. No. Mocked by the Twin Cities. Typical buzz factory. It's okay.
0: Any other twin statements from you guys? Any other apologies you'd like to issue? Nothing?
2: Oh, oh no, no. I'm done. Are you kidding? Okay. That was great.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. Those are your Monday statements here on Mackie and Judd. Thanks to everyone who helped get us up to 45,000 combined YouTube subscribers between the Purple Daily and Score North channels. If you haven't already clicked subscribe on those channels, go ahead and do so so we can help spread the word about this Minnesota sports community. We just want championships, dang it. I'm going to hold these teams to a a high standard. Or Or in the case of the Timberwolves, just like get to the playoffs. Twins, Twins, we just want a playoff playoff win. Yeah. Exactly. All right, that's a wrap. We'll see you guys tomorrow. A little pecking order Tuesday on Mackie and Judd.